relationship with God versus uh, a veneer of religion. And, and today, Jesus really gets at what we're talking about uh, when we talk about this artificial connection to the system of rules and regulations we called religion. Uh, ver, uh, page 484 in your pew Bibles is where we're at. We're in Matthew. We're only going to read two verses today, uh, verses 25 and 26, Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but the inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside might also be clean. Lord, add uh, our understanding to this reading of your word today, Lord, that we might understand what it means. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's two things here that Jesus is pointing out. Two things. First of all, he emphasizes that the, the Pharisees are looking at external standards for, I'm going to put this in quotes, cleanliness. What does it look like on the outside? They're emphasizing uh, externals and, and what looks. It's specifically, and, and in particularly when it, when it talks about ceremonial cleanliness. You know, they had a lot of things they had to do to, to stay clean. Things they couldn't touch, things they couldn't do. Um, so they had these ideas of ceremonial cleanliness that they had to keep. But they emphasized those to the point that they became more important than real, true spirituality. In other words, they look shiny and polished on the outside. I like to look shiny and polished on the outside. I hope, you know, I, I look in the mirror, make sure the hairs are in place. I shave. I try to pick out something that looks nice. There's nothing wrong with looking shiny and polished. What the, what's wrong is trusting in the shine and the polish. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. Jesus emphasizes that they were looking at, at external standards, and then he says, even more importantly, they were neglecting the, the emphasis on the inside. They were neglecting this spiritual cleanliness that comes from a transformation that God wanted to do and that God is offering them through the person of Christ. Again, there's nothing intrinsically long about, or wrong about looking clean and put together. Um, most I'm going to say most all of us in here today, I'm not going to say who's not because I'm not even, I'm not going to judge that. Most all of us are clean, neat, well put together. We took showers. We looked in the mirror before we left the house and made sure the hairs were in place and all that kind of stuff. Um, But we don't trust in that, I hope. We don't trust in our appearance because we can come to church and we can even put on the spiritual appearance, right? We walk in with our Bible, our big Bible, I'm not looking at anybody over there who was joking with me about that before. Not, did you bring your big Bible? She did. She brought her big Bible. And I, I'm, not pick, I'm not picking on you. But we can put on airs, can't we, at church? We can say the right things. We can look the right way. We can carry the right Bible. Uh, we can attend the right meetings. We can do the right stuff and put on this, this look, this appearance of spirituality, when in fact, if we're trusting in that, that gets us no closer to God than if we just stayed home and took a nap and then got up later and watched a football game. That doesn't get us any closer to God. That doesn't change anything fundamentally about us. Last week in Scripture, we read where Jesus warned the Pharisees. He said, you're neglecting the more important matters in favor of the less important matters. And this, this week, when these, these two verses, he really puts, a, he puts an underline. Because last week, he kind of said it in, in, in general here's what's going on, but specifically, here are the things you're doing. You're neglecting to take care of your heart. You're neglecting to take care of what's on the inside of the cup, and you're doing what's on the outside. Now, we're going to unpack this a little bit, and I have a little personal observation here. This is kind of like a side note, side lesson. 
One of the very best things I ever learned in seminary was in my New Testament class. One of my New Testament professors said this. Uh, he said a lot of things that, that year of class in New Testament. You go for a whole year, a whole year of New Testament, a whole year of Old Testament. You learn a lot. A lot of the things I learned from him didn't have anything specifically to do with the Scripture, although we learned a lot there. He had a lot of different wise things to teach us, and one of them was, he said, always let Scripture interpret Scripture. I don't know if anybody ever heard that before. Always let, it, let Scripture interpret Scripture. So that's what we're going to employ today, uh, because there are a lot of other ways, worse ways, you can interpret what the Scripture says. You could Google it. Anybody ever done that? It's like, I'm not sure what this means. I'm going to Google it. Anybody? Come on, you can raise your hands. I use Google sometimes, and you can point at your wife. No, you can't, or your, or your friend. You can study what someone else wrote. Not intrinsically wrong, although you have to be careful of your sources, right? I have commentaries. I only have like one set. That's the, the set that I use. Um, I have, anybody ever heard of Logos software? It's like, um, yeah, you went, some of you went, ooh, because it's expensive. I got it for free. It was a perk from the North American Mission Board. See, that you, us, we helped church planters like me around the country get access to that software for free. That's pretty cool. A lot of different things like that happen. Um, you can, so I, I use logos sometimes to look into uh, different stuff. You can um, study a commentary. You can read it in the original language. Anybody know the Hebrew and the Greek? I have to admit this to you, uh, and nobody ever asked, so it's good. Um, I don't think it would have made any difference. But with the seminary I went to had two tracks for the Master of Divinity program. They had a language track and a non-language track. <laughs> and in the non-language track, you took Greek appreciation and Hebrew appreciation, <laughs> which means you learned just enough to be dangerous, but not really like learned it. So guess which one I took? Non-language. I, you know, there's value in knowing those. There's value in understanding those, but... I trust the people who have already done that and read it and written it. I'll, I'll, I'll lean on them. I use those hours to study church planting and, and other stuff. That's just, that's just the direction I did. So I don't, I don't go a whole lot of time to Greek and Hebrew to find out exactly what it means. Um, and there's, there's a lot of different things, but, but the best way, I think, is letting the Scripture interpret itself. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, I was doing a little research on this. Martin Luther, father of the Reformation Luther uh, movement, said this, um, and I think this is really good. He says, unless I'm convinced by Scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of popes and councils, for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the Word of God. I love that idea. My conscience is captured and it is captivated by the Word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Now, there's two things on there that I want us to grab a hold of and, and employ this today and in the weeks to come, just when we're, we're reading Scripture and we're studying it. First of all, he said he was convinced by Scripture, so I want us, as we study today, to become convinced by what the Word says, and then it says he was captivated by Scripture. I hope when you read the Bible, it's not just an exercise in getting something out of the way. Those of you who are doing the five-by-five, five, reading through chapters and and we're, we're reading the New Testament together. I hope it's not an exercise. I did it today. I can check it off. Or maybe you wait till the end of the week. You read all five chapters at once. It doesn't matter. However you're doing it, I hope it, that you are captivated by it. I hope that you are letting it soak in. Maybe if you're reading all five chapters at once, um, you could do it again the next day. <laughs> 
and then do it again. There's, there's value in repetitive reading of the same passage. And in fact, that's one of the things they also taught us in seminary. You know, when you're going to study a passage, first you read the whole book. That's what they say to do. First read the whole book. Then read the couple of chapters around that passage so that you get the idea of what the setting is. Then read that chapter and then read the passage. So allow yourself to be captivated by what Scripture says. So let's, let's let God's Word captivate us today. The Pharisees and many others besides them only cared about what was on the outside, only cared about that, that religious rule set. But Scripture says, and Jesus said, God, His Father, only sees what's on the inside. He doesn't care what it looks like on the outside. He's not concerned with religious appearances. He's not concerned with the appearance of having uh, this, this view towards the world that you look a certain way or you believe a certain thing. That, that's unconcerning to the Father. What concerns the Father is what on the inside. First Samuel 16, 7, just the second half of that first said, For the Lord sees not as man, remember, God in every way is different than we are, even though we're created in His image, He's in every way different than we are. So He sees not as we see, because man looks on the outward appearance, because that's all we can see, right? Where does God look? The Lord looks on the heart. He looks on the inside. He's, what do we really like? What do we really think? How do we really act? What are our real attitudes and intentions? The Pharisees forgot about this, and often we forget about it too, don't we? Because we're, as humans, there's just something about us. We're conditioned to look at, at external appearances. We look at somebody and we size them up almost immediately. Did you know, and I, I, it, this says a lot about, about human nature, that this is why companies spend so much money on the outside of their buildings to look nice. That's why Target all over the country just refurbished all the outsides of their buildings. Have you noticed they did it over at the brickyard? They were doing it in Montana before we left. There, there's a correlation between a return visit and sometimes even a first visit to a business, depending on what the outside of the business looks like. The, over 50% of the judgment of somebody, whether they'll go to something or not, is based on what the outside of the building looks like. That's one of the reasons we've been working on the outside of the church so much. Cutting down the trees, uh, well, at least trimming the trees, taking out the bushes, taking out the sign, working on the grass, working on various things around the building to make it look good. Because people judge by appearances. It's just, a, a, and, and advertisers know that, media people know that, and they, if you will, prey on us <laughs> because they know that about us. But the Lord's saying we need to look at it the way He looks at it. We need to learn to see not as man sees, but as the Lord sees. The Pharisees forget this, we forget this, um, but, but surface appearance matters very little to God. What matters is the reality of, of who we really are. And we fall into this trap over and over again of trying to please the Lord by doing the wrong things. The Pharisees were trying to please the Lord by cleaning the cup on the outside, by putting on airs of, of religiosity. We want to give our heart to God. We, we even think that. You ever said that? I want to give God my heart. You ever, anybody ever thought of that or said that or said that? Uh, we're in this mess because of our heart. Why do we want to give God a, a messed up heart? God wants to do actually something else completely different. Listen to Jeremiah 17, 9. 
when it talks about the condition of the human heart, it says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Did you know you were deceitful and desperately sick? I have a friend who's a pastor. Actually, it's my brother-in-law, Perry, Lydia's brother, and he'll have people in the congregation repeat stuff, and he'll, have them, he'll say, look at your neighbor and say, you're deceitful and desperately sick. I'm not going to do that to you today. Or, or we could. Would that be fun? Look at your neighbor and say, you're deceitful and desperately sick. Come on. I want to hear it. You're deceitful and desperately sick. It's true. <laughs> yeah, some of you are shaking your heads like, oh, my gosh. And I, I told Lydia, I said, I would never do that, but today it just felt right. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, my heart is deceitful and desperately sick. But the Lord is doing a thing in it. He's doing a work with it. We're going to get to that. And then he finishes up by saying, who can understand it? It's deceitful. It's desperately sick. Who can understand that? Have you ever wondered that about yourself? You struggle with a relationship with somebody else and you wonder why you just can't quite work it out. Think about how hard you are to to know yourself. How hard is it to know yourself, to understand yourself, to govern yourself? I read an article this... even pastors get clickbait. You know what clickbait is? It's stuff you get in your mailbox, and it sounds interesting, so you click on it because you want to read it. I got one this week, and it said, dealing with the most difficult person in your church. And I was like, yes! I want to know how to do that. <laughs> I got a whole church full. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Everybody is the most difficult. You know, what, you know what the article was really about? You know what it said? Pastor, you're the most difficult person in your church. And they were right. The article was about learning to govern yourself. We're so worried about everybody else, we forget how difficult it is to govern our own selves. It was a good article. I read it. I still read it all the way through to the end. I, you know. I really wanted to learn how to deal with the most difficult person in the church, but I learned how to deal with me. Maybe I am the most difficult why would God want us to give our sick heart to him? Why do you think that would be a thing? Um, he, in fact, wants to do the opposite of that. He wants to give us a new heart. He wants to do a, a, a something in us that's amazing. Psalm 5110, uh, the psalmist writes, and he begs and asks the, the Lord, create in me a clean heart, he says. Create in me a clean heart. To create something is to make something from new. It's not to take something old and remake it. It's to make it new. Create in me a clean heart. Oh God, renew a right spirit in me. And we ask God to create a new heart in us because the old one is broken. It's unusable. It's deceitful. It's sick. Do you guys remember what you said to each other a moment ago? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. So we ask God for a new heart. Create a new heart in us. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 28 says, I will sprinkle, this is the Lord speaking, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart. I will give you a new heart and I will put a spirit, a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Did you know I had a heart of stone? Yes. <laughs> cold-hearted, stone-cold heart. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a new heart. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. 
I will be your God when I change you, when I create in you a new heart, when I place in you a new heart, when you become a new creation, because God's only interested on what's on the inside. He's only interested in, 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 in the inside of me and in the inside of you. So here's today's challenge question. Be honest with yourself. Have you let the Lord deal with what's on the inside? Have you really let Him deal with what's on the inside? Have you let Him deal with most days? I heard somebody say most days. <laughs> Have you let Him deal with what's on the inside? Have you let Him create in you a new heart? You see, because you see, we don't need to, you and I don't need to be remodeled or refurbished. Um, when we lived in Montana, we had an almost new house. Uh, it had been lived in five years before we bought it. Before that, it was just lumber in a lumber yard and empty ground. So it was practically brand new. Um, nothing needed to be replaced when we bought it, and nothing needed to be replaced when we sold it seven years later. It still had the original everything, pretty much. I think we went through three microwaves. Microwaves apparently stink. We're already on our second microwave here. We've only been here 15 months. We're on our second microwave. I don't know why. We moved here, we bought a, a 90-year-old house, <laughs> right? And everything is on the verge of breaking. And it was a short sale, so we couldn't say, we'll buy it if you do X, Y, and Z. We'll buy it if you put in a new furnace. Well, fortunately, the water heater broke the day before we signed papers, and they put a new water. That's the only thing new in the whole house. Everything else is old. Those of you who have been in the house and helped clean it, before we got there, you know, it's an old house just like all the other old houses in Elmwood Park. It hasn't been remodeled, it hasn't been refurbished, uh, it's got stuff that's breaking, it's got stuff that's <laughs> on the verge of breaking. But you and I don't need to be remodeled like my house does. We don't need to be refurbished, we don't need a new coat of paint, uh, we don't have good bones that need to be, uh, you know, recovered and repainted. What we need is something completely new on the inside. Something completely new, a completely new heart with completely new affections. Do you like new things versus like old things or used things or broken things? New things. I like new things. I like new things. The Lord wants to do something in you to make you new. If God would do this for the children of Israel and promise it for them, He will do it for us. He will make us new. He will give us a new heart. He will fill us with a new spirit. And in the words of Paul, the apostle, will become true in us. 1 Corinthians 5, 16 says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Listen to what he says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, not a remodeled creation. I think too long maybe we've thought of this verse wrong. We think, okay, he took the old me and he made it into the remodeled me. It's a new creation. Listen to the language he, he, he employs here. The old has passed away, it's dead. One of the translations says the old is gone. The new has come. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The Lord God does something completely different in us. It's not old bones with a, with a coating of paint and a little drywall and some, you know, we need molding around the building. It's, it's not like that. It's all new construction. It says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to him 
and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's another message altogether, which just means as he has reconciled us, he's called us to reconcile others to God too, which is why we prayed this morning and talked about inviting people to know Christ and get involved in the body because we've been given the same, uh, the same walking papers uh, as everybody else and the same as Paul. We are in the ministry of reconciliation. But let's continue on the thought we're on now. It says, that is in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses, not counting their sins against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us to the world. He says, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the old is gone. The old is passed away. The old is dead. Behold, the new has come. That's what God wants to do in us. There's something fundamentally different about something that's new versus something that's refurbished or something that's remodeled. How many of you, if you want a box of tissues, you open up the brand new box of tissues and inside there's used tissues? Gross. And you can't take a used tissue and make it new again. You really, I mean, you can't wipe it and wash it and dry it and it's just, it's not going to work, right? It's gross. How about a new pair of pants? Maybe some of us like old pants. Grace is wearing old pants. Well, they're new pants that made to look old. <laughs> they're new pants made to look old. But, but no matter how hard you try, you could never take Grace's pants and make them look like this. You just couldn't do it. There's, there's no way you could cover up the holes to make that look new again. It's okay, Grace. Some people wear old clothes that are new clothes made to look old on purpose because it's cool. My wife has some like that. I, I don't, I, it, it's, it's okay. I'm not passing any judgment. I like a new pair of pants. Has anybody ever split their pants open right down the middle? Yeah. You can't fix that. You can't, yeah, I've tried. <laughs> Kevin's in the back saying, I've tried. You can't fix that. Um, when... When the, it rips out at the rivets at the pocket and it tears a little hole in the corner, you can't put that back together. When you, have you ever walked by? We had a door frame in Montana, new house, but it did have some, it had some issues. It had where the door opened and shut and the door jam, there was that place where the lock would hit. Well, it was sticking out a little too far. I walked by one day and it ripped the belt loop right off my pants. You can't put a belt loop back onto pants when it's ripped the hole where the belt loop's supposed to attach. You just can't make it new again. We had a new 4x4. Four four. It was pretty new anyway. Uh, a four-wheel drive, uh, GMC Yukon in Montana, and we drove the snot out of it. We went in the mud. We went on top of mountains. We would go up to the mountains every winter and cut down a tree and tie it to the top and take it home. Um, we drove this thing like crazy. Snow, salt. We just went crazy with this thing. You know, seven years later, I can't believe somebody bought it. There was no way we could, and I didn't even bother. You know, you want to sell a car, so you clean it up, and you steam it, and you polish it, and you wash it. I just sold it with the mud on it. I was like, we're leaving. We're moving to Chicago. Here's a car. It might work for a little while. Somebody bought it. There was no amount of work that I could put into that car to make that car new again. 
It would have to be completely, it didn't have good bones anymore. <laughs> it didn't have good anything anymore. It, it couldn't be recovered. It couldn't be made new. It's the same with our heart. It's the heart we were given. Now, you realize we're not talking about the heart that's pumping blood. Um, when you get down into the language and the culture, you realize they're really talking about here in Scripture when they say the heart. It's like that, that you that lives here. You feel it in your gut when you're stressed. Oh, right? You're stressed. You ever felt that feeling? That's the heart that they're taught. That when you, when you fell in love with somebody and you felt something really strongly, that's the heart. When you, um, somebody did something to you and you were hurt and you cried, that's the heart. It's the essence of who you are. It's the inside of you. You can't make that new. It's experienced the things it's experienced. It's, it's 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 70 years old or how many ever years old it is. It can't be made new by anything that we can do. We can't undone it, uh, and, uh, undo the things that have been done, the things that have been seen, the things that have been experienced, no amount of money, no amount of meditation, no amount of uh, uh, college courses or world religions can undo what's been done to the heart. Only God can make that new. But he doesn't want to, again, he doesn't want to remodel it. He doesn't want to refurbish it. He wants to start over again. He doesn't want us to meet, us half, to meet him halfway. He doesn't want us to bring what we have. You ever thought, I'm going to bring what I have. I'm pretty, I'm pretty valuable. I'll join the team. I'll join God's team. I'll bring what I have. Here it is, God, here. I, I, I know I can't get all the way to you, but I can get this far. Anybody ever thought that? <laughs> You're not about to raise your hand on that one because you know. <laughs> you raise your hand, you can get slapped, <laughs> right? God doesn't want us to bring what we have. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 64, 6 through 8. We have all become like one who is unclean. We have all become like one who is unclean. Our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. You ever wore a polluted garment? I have a polluted garment at home. It's a pair of jeans that I wear whenever I paint. Anybody have one of those? I, whenever I mow the lawn, whenever I paint, I put, they almost, like, they're stiff. I don't even bother washing them anymore. I just wear them to paint, and I wear them to mow, and then I throw them in the closet, and they just kind of stand there. They're just like. That's what I'm talking about. Every, and don't laugh at me. You all, Patrick has one. You all have one of these at home. Our righteous deeds, what we think we can bring to the table for God, God says that's like a polluted garment. I can't refurbish that. <laughs> I can't remodel that. We all fade like a leaf, and we're about to see a lot of leaves fade. Our sin, our iniquity, they're like the wind, and they take us away. There is no one who calls upon your name who rouses himself to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us. You have made us melt in your hand. Wow. You have made us melt in the hand of our sin. But now, O oh Lord, you are our Father. We are like the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hand. Create in me a clean heart. Give me a, a, a heart of flesh and take away the heart of stone. That's what God wants to do in each of us. Create something new. Do you guys, I'm going I'm to grab my guitar. See if you guys know this song. I just couldn't get this song out of my head this week. It's an old one. Some of you guys probably know this. Do you know, do you know Change My Heart? Change my heart, oh God. You guys know this one? 
make it ever true. Raise my heart, oh God. May I be like you. You are the read something from Revelation, and I, I want us to think about this, and I, I, I know many of us have come to a point in our life at some point where we have looked <laughs> at the Father, at the Son, and at the Holy Spirit and said, Lord, I, I can't do this in my power. Not my will, Lord, but yours. So I know many of us have, have, have come to that place where we have given our all and said, okay, my all wasn't enough. I'm, I'm going to put all that down. I'm going to put all that away. Lord, it's not my will. It's your will. And we have asked and we have begged and we have pleaded, Lord, save me. Lord, cleanse me. Lord, wash me. Lord, make me yours. We've called on the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We've believed in our heart God raised him from the dead, and God has saved us. But this message is for you too, even if you have done that. Some of you haven't done that yet. This message is also for you. Because God wants to do something new in you. He wants to do something new, not refurbished, not remodeled, but new. Is that song your prayer today? Could you, could you actually pray this? Uh, Christ follower or Christ follower yet to be. Could you pray, change my heart, O God. May I be like you. Could you submit to the potter? Submit to the Father who's the creator of all things. And say, Father, not my will but yours. Not my creation but yours. Not my what I think or I can bring to the table but yours. I say, Lord, um, I, I don't have anything good. I've been convinced by Scripture that I don't have anything good. I've been captivated by Scripture that you have something good for me. And Lord, that thing I need. Create in me a clean heart. Take my heart of stone and place in me a heart of flesh. Make me new on the inside. Place your spirit within me. Teach me and lead me what it means to walk in your ways what it means to follow you and to know you. Is that your prayer today? Because the Father's desire is to do something completely different than we think it is. It's not a remodeling. It's not a refurbishment. It's new. He creates. He's a, he's a God that creates things. And, and often, I think we'll mistakenly pray, God, can you fix this? Can you fix me? Can you repair me? 
when instead God wants to do something new in you, completely different than what you thought it was. I never thought, for instance, this is what I would do. If we truly and wholly and completely give ourselves to God and say, God, whatever it is you want to do with whatever of me you want to do it with, create in me a clean heart and I'll follow you to whatever it is. That's the kind of person he's looking for. I didn't, I didn't look up the scripture, but I love it. It says, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the whole world looking for the person whose heart is fully committed to him. Do you know how you can have a fully committed heart? Only if you have a new heart. You can only be fully committed to the Father if you have a new heart, if you have a newly created heart. Not a heart of stone, but a heart of flesh, a heart that's tender, a heart that's soft, a heart that's connected to the Father, that can hear and respond, that has new affections, new attitudes, and new loves. I'm going to look up Revelation 21, because our God is a God who's in, for better or for worse, probably for better, He's into new things. We say that, we're like, I'm happy with my old stuff. I'm happy with my old jeans and my old car, and I'm okay with that. God likes new things. In fact, that's His plan, is for everything to become new. Take a look. It's not going to be on the screen. Revelation 21. Um, I don't know what page it's on, but it's at the very end of the Bible that you got in the pew in front of you. I'm going to read Revelation 21. Uh, starting at verse 1, it says, this is John, the apostle, talking about a vision that he had, and he's recounting it to us, and, it, and John says, then I saw a new heaven, there it is, new, and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and they were no more. The earth didn't have good bones and God remodeled it. It passed away and it was no more. And now there's a new heaven and a new earth. And on that new heaven and new earth, I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. And I heard in a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither will there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. They died. They're gone. Now it's new. He who was seated on the throne said this, Behold, I am making all things new. And he wants to start with you, and he wants to start with me. Before we get to Revelation 21, he wants to have created new in us. That's what he does. He also said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, this is the Lord spoke to John, and John saying, He spoke to me and said, It is done, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, to the thirsty I will give the spring of the water of life without payment to the one who conquers. The one who conquers will have this heritage. I will be his God and he will be my son. Do you see the, the connection, Old Testament, New Testament, Revelation? Do you see this theme running through all of it? New, new, new. And when you're new, I will be your God. You will be my son. I will be your God. You will be my people. That's what he wants. He wants us to be his people. And he wants to be our God. And he wants to make all things new. And he wants to start with you. And he wants to start with me. So maybe he made you new once. And you know, you can look back and say, I remember that day when I asked Jesus Christ to save me. And because I know that he did on that day, because I believed in him, I called on him, and I believe what scripture says, I'm captivated by it. So I know he saved me and I'm his. 
He still wants that newness to come out. Sometimes we get stale. You ever had a new loaf of bread and you put it on the fridge and you come back to it a week or two later and it's either stale or moldy, right? Some of us are stale and moldy. You, you laugh, but it's true. And you know who you are. <laughs> we know who we are. It's easy to get stale and moldy because that's what things that are unused do. But God wants us to, to, to grab on to that newness and remember what it meant. Um, uh, I love the, the, the scripture that says, remember and, 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 and enjoy and recapture the joy of your salvation. Do you remember, believers, those who are in Christ, do you remember that day when the Lord saved you? and he made you new, and he put in you a heart of flesh, and he took away a heart of stone, and he created in you a clean heart and a new heart, and, and he placed his spirit that moment. This is, I'm not talking about feelings, because some of us have like emotional feelings and ties to that. We remember, I was 16. I remember when this happened. You know, I had grown up in the Catholic Church, not, not slamming on that at all. I'm just, I had grown up in the Catholic Church. My mom, my dad, and I, we went to a church where we heard the gospel presented. The three of us went down, and we talked to the pastor. He took us to his office. He sat down, and he explained the gospel to us. For the first time, we understood what the gospel really was. And the three of us asked him, How, what, what do we do? It's like, like, like when Peter preached in Acts 2, and the people said, we're cut to the heart. What do we do? And he said, believe in Jesus Christ, uh, and then you'll be saved, and then be baptized. And we're like, okay, we'll do that. We're going to believe in Jesus Christ. And we prayed and we believed and we were baptized. You know, we we have some emotional attachment to that. But I'm not talking about the emotional attachment. (laughs) I'm talking about what came after that as we, uh, I hope you experienced this. I experienced a period where I was excited, where I was, in the words of Martin Luther, I was captivated by Scripture. And when I read it, I wanted to read more. And when I studied it, I wanted to study more. And some of us are stale and moldy, and the Bible's not captivating us. And we need to go back to the Father and say, God, forgive me, I, I've grown stale and moldy. I'm not captivated by your word anymore. I'm not captivated by the things I should be captivated by. I love what he said, captivated and convinced. We were convinced but the captivation has faded. And so that's why this message is for all of us. No matter where you are in your, in your walk with the Lord or you're on your way to knowing Him as Lord and Savior, asking Him, Lord, captivate me. Lord, bring me back to the joy of my salvation. Remind me what that was like. And then begin to grow again. Get out of the rut. Open up God's Word. Get together with another believer. Do something in the community. Serve in the church. Serve in the community. Serve in your neighborhood. Reclaim that joy of your salvation and use that excitement, that, uh, that, that spiritual excitement and adrenaline that comes in the joy of your salvation to serve, serving God, serving others, being captivated and convinced by Scripture. That's what he's calling us to. If we get that right in here, there isn't anything that the world can do to stop that. But it's not as easy as just doing something, is it? Because to get this right, to really be new, to really be 
is not to be old, right? To be new is to not be old. To, new, to, be, to be new is not to have the old habits. To be new is to not have the old affections. To be new is to not have the old desires. And maybe that's where some of us are today. We're struggling, the old and the new. Well, well Paul was really clear when he said the old has come, or, or the old is gone, it's passed away, it's dead, it's, it's past, and the new has come. And some of us are holding on to a little bit of that old like grim death. We don't want to let that thing go. Whatever it is, that old habit, that old affection, that old desire, let go. Let it go. Not in your own power, in the power of God. The power of God that can create something new. The power of God that can create in you a clean heart, a pure heart, a heart that's usable for Him. That's what He wants to do in us. Uh, I'm going to pray. I'm just going to challenge you where you're at. Pray. You know what you need to talk to God about right now. Uh, I'm going to pray corporately. You pray individually. Wherever you're at, whether you're like, Lord, today I know I need you. I don't know you. I want to accept you as Lord and Savior. Lord, I believe that, that you sent your son on this earth. He walked here. He taught us a whole lot of things. But the most important thing is that he died and he took my sin to the cross. And he rose again. And because of that, Lord, I want to know you. I want to be saved. Lord, wash me, cleanse me, place your spirit in me. You can ask God to do that today. If you call in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe in your heart, God raised Christ from the dead, you'll be saved. But maybe the rest of you are like, well, I just need to work on this issue or don't work on anything. It's not I got saved and now I keep my salvation by working on it. We fall into that trap, don't we? I would just be a better Christian if I could just stop doing that thing, and I'm going to work on stopping doing that thing. When in reality, we need to be convinced by Scripture and captivated by Scripture because we know what? God's Word is living. It's alive. It, it cuts the joints and the marrow. It, it divides truth and error. It, it, it's alive. It's living. It does surgery on us. We just need to uh, expose ourselves to His Word and be captivated by it and convinced by it and allow it to work on us and work in us. I, 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 there's probably not a one person in this room that reads the Bible enough. It, 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 if there is, I, I apologize if I've offended you. <laughs> but I, I, I doubt that enough of us or that all of us are getting enough of what this Word says. And so if we up our intake and allow God's Word to do its surgery in our hearts, and make us who He wants us to be. There is nothing He will not be able to accomplish through us in this community to spread the gospel, to show His love, uh, not to grow the church. That's, that's not our goal. More people, more butts in the seats. That's, that's not the point. But He wants to do something with us. And He's gathered us together to prepare us. And He's telling us through, Psalm, or through uh, Matthew 23, some things to look out for, and he's preparing us for what's to come. I don't know what's coming yet, but I think it's going to be amazing because God has his hand on it. And he's put us together in this place and this time with this word to captivate us for what he has for his future. So let's pray. You know what you need to pray about. You know what you need to ask. You know in your heart where you are in your walk. And if you don't, ask him to show you. 
and he will. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that this word has captivated us today, Lord, that it, uh, it captivates us and challenges us and excites us and motivates us um, in a way that we haven't been. Lord, that it, it, it pushes us towards something different. Lord, I love what your word says, that you want to make all things new. The old will pass and the new will come. And when I think about that in my, my 90-year-old house, a, a brand new house with no problems would be so much better. And I could never make my old house as new and perfect if it were possible, as a new house. And in the same way, I can't make my heart new. Only you can do that, Lord. And so I pray and I ask uh, and I hope uh, all across this room, we are praying, we are seeking, we are asking you, Lord, renew my heart. I love that word. It's to refresh it. It's new, but it needs to be renewed. We've grown stale. We've grown moldy. Lord, renew us. We already have that new heart if we're following you, if we're Christ followers, but we need to be renewed. Lord, renew us today. Renew, a, renew in us the joy of our salvation. Renew in us the newness of a heart of flesh that has replaced a heart of stone. Renew in us the, the clean heart that you've created in us. Lord, remind us that the old is gone, it's dead, it's passed away, and we're supposed to have moved on from that point. We're supposed to have matured away from those, those thoughts, those desires, those ways, and those affections. And Lord, most of all, I pray that you captivate us with your word. You captivate us and convince us with your word today, Lord. As we read it, as we study it, as we live by it, as we allow it to do its, its spiritual surgery in us and on us and through us, Lord, I pray that we be captivated by it in a way that we haven't been captivated maybe ever. That we rely on it and that we live by it and that it, it, it is as food to us. Lord, I know that you want to do something amazing here for your glory, for your praise, and for your honor in this church, among these people, and in this community. Lord, you don't want us to bring a religion to Elmwood Park. You want us to share a relationship. And to share a real relationship with you with Elmwood Park, we have to have that real relationship with you first. So Lord, renew our right relationship between my heart and you. We pray that. We ask that, Lord, renew our connection, renew our relationship. And Lord, we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and we ask, Lord, that you do it. We, we, we pray and we beg and we plead in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, in your name, and in the Holy Spirit, God, we pray this. This song we're going to do right now is one of my favorites. And we sing it pretty regularly. <laughs>